I started really paying attention to mental health after I got married and started a family of my own. I was starting a new life and before then my whole focus was work. I worked constantly, constantly and for two consecutive years I only took four days off uh, just to attend my, my brother's graduation, my twin. And that period of my life reminded me of a Japanese phrase called karushi, which means death by overwork. And that's where I was before getting married. I was like a car running um, out of fuel. And I knew I couldn't make good decisions at all in that state. And so I started reflecting back on my life and I took a break uh, to understand what do I need to do? How do I pace myself? Slow down. I had to take stock of my life. Um, and I started learning the power of pausing and focusing and hyper focus instead of having a scatter focus. And in that kind of mode and moment in my life of, of being still and truly listening to my heart, um, I could find happiness and balance just thinking about how can I navigate my mental health. For me, life is more of a marathon, not a sprint. Um, and I had to learn to live in moderation and avoid burning out because burnout makes you less efficient, unhappy. It can have negative effects on the people around you. And we all deserve to keep energy for ourselves, for our loved ones, and for the things we're really passionate about. We're human beings, not human doings. I think Dalai Lama said that. And in that journey of being more productive, I had to learn to prioritize rest and family and balance. And now taking care of my mental well-being is something I take pride in. I'm learning more about how to do this every single day, how to prioritize healthy thinking. And I'm very intentional about the way I prioritize it. I take note of the things that trigger my mental stress, like being in uncomfortable situations or environments that change the way I'm thinking and also affect my decision making. Welcome to Aqal, a podcast brought to you by With Hope UAE. I am your host, Maryam Bilhol. And in each episode, we hope to bring you an inspiring person or a message to help captivate your mental health across multiple life categories. Our guest for today's episode is Her Excellency Shamma Al-Mazrouri, Minister of State for Youth Affairs. Her Excellency was appointed as minister at 22 years old, making her the world's youngest cabinet minister. Her Excellency Shamma is also chair of the Emirates Youth Council and the vice chair of the Arab Youth Center, covering over 15 initiatives across 22 MENA nations. Your Excellency, it is an honor to have you on the show. You have exemplified what a true leader is through your continuous support to youth-led initiatives like With Hope. It's an honor and privilege to be here and to share a bit of my experience. And I'm here also learning from you all. Thank you so much, Your Excellency. So, um, Your Excellency, can you take us back through your journey and tell us about an instance where you have realized the importance of mental health? So I started really paying attention to mental health after I got married um, and started a family of my own. Um, I was starting a new life. And before then, my whole focus was work. I worked constantly, constantly. And for two consecutive years, I only took four days off uh, just to attend my, my brother's graduation, um, my twin. And um, that period of my life d reminded me of a Japanese phrase called karushi, uh, uh, which means death by overwork. And that's where I was before getting married. I was like a car running um, out of fuel. And I knew I couldn't make good decisions um, 
at all in that state. Uh, and so I started reflecting back on my life and I took a break uh, to understand what do I need to do? How do I pace myself? slow down, I had to take stock of my life. Um, and I started learning the power of pausing and, and focusing and hyper-focus instead of having a scatter focus. Um, and in that kind of mode and moment in my life of, of being still and truly listening to my heart, um, I could find happiness and balance just thinking about how can I navigate my mental health. Um, for me, Life is more of a marathon, not a sprint. Um, and I had to learn to live in moderation and avoid burning out because burnout makes you less efficient, unhappy. It can have negative effects on the people around you. Um, and we all deserve to keep energy for ourselves, for our loved ones, and for the things we're really passionate about. Um, we're human beings, not human doings. I think Dalai Lama said that. And in that journey of being more productive, I had to learn to prioritize rest and family and balance. Um, and now taking care of my mental well-being is something I take pride in. I'm learning uh, more about how to do this every single day, how to prioritize uh, healthy thinking. And I'm very intentional about the way I prioritize it. Um, I take note of the things that trigger my mental stress, like being in uncomfortable uh, situations or environments uh, that change the way I'm thinking and also affect my decision making. And um, what are the tips that you would like implement in your day-to-day -day life that you believe are very helpful? Is it taking a pause, reflecting? Is it um, balancing your work and life? What are, what are the tips that you would advise young people to do? So I learned to first notice things. I think Tony Schwartz once said, if you don't notice something, you can't change it. And I looked at my day. And I, I don't believe cutting your day saying 50% is for work and then 50% is for family. You can't do that. A life is just not, for me personally, it, it doesn't work. Sometimes I'm on a trip where I'm traveling, uh, maybe for the United Nations in New York, and I can't see my family. I can't spend time with them. And it makes sense. Work sometimes demands more time. Sometimes family de demands more time. But what I noticed is I made a list. I'm a Pisces. I don't know if Pisces are perfectionists, but I, I like to be uh, to have a perfect home, perfect family, and uh, the way I define perfect. Not a, not I mean a, cer a certain ideal, but I need to ensure that I I know kind of what meals are being cooked for for my husband and my son. I need to ensure that I have. So small things that I do every Saturday, I need to have the full family meal plan. Um, so, so we know what we're getting gro groceries for the house. I have to put all my outfits, even with the shoes, what I'm going to wear from Sunday to Thursday for work. And it's not, uh, it's, it's just small things that remove stress from my time. So when I wake up in the morning, I, I know I have everything ready. It doesn't stress me out and I don't run uh, haphazardly into the car going to work. I like to be on time. I, I'm a very routine person. These things helped anchor my mental health. Um, I realized also after getting my son that uh, it's not about only time with your family, but time for yourself. So I always like to spend half an hour in the first uh, uh, block of my morning just reading Quran. And, and no one, no one interrupts me. I hide in a room and it's just for me. Um, so there are small things I think that can be automatic in your life that can um, improve your mental health. Amazing, Your Excellency. And I love how you brought up the fact that each person is different and what works for one personality type or for one person might not work for everyone. This is a very good point. Um, Your Excellency, 
I believe that um, at this day and age, we cannot discuss mental health without bringing to the table one of its most important and crucial components or factors that really affect it, which is social media. I would like to know a little bit more on your view when it comes to social media and its effect on youth. So social media has been one of the most amazing advances in technology for our generation. And it's opened so many doors for so many young people. It's an excellent way of connecting uh, with people from different cultures, people different from ourselves, and learning and unlearning even history, uh, learning about different uh, uh, global causes like climate change, uh, racial uh, justice. We're now connected more than ever. And I'm not one of these people that doesn't use social media. To be honest, I enjoy following my family, following my friends, following things related to nutrition, fitness, um, just like anyone else. Um, And online communities can be empowering places. If we talk about youth, we see so many who were excluded maybe around the world from mainstream media, uh, and they have now amplified their voices through social media. But I believe with any kind of technology, there are downsides. Um, And social media can be all-consuming. There are only so many hours in a day, and and many of us spend so much time just on social platforms. Um, And this distraction um, can be a welcome uh, uh, after a long hour uh, uh, at work. Um, And it can frustrate us. It can cause fractures in our time during the day. It makes us less productive and more tired. There was a writer on productivity um, and technological platforms. I forgot his name, but um, his family name ended with Eyal. And he talked about how productivity is simply doing what we intend to do when we intend to do it. And social media can disrupt that. Uh, One post leads to a page that leads to a video that leads to a podcast and so on. Before you know it, what you set out to do has fallen away. And we're the generation that's always on. Um, Our brains are used so much to consume realms of information that create uh, the stimulus of social media channels. Um, But I believe personally to live a life that's full and filled with meaning and filled with true purpose, we need to find a way to decenter social media. And it can't be the center of our daily lives. Um, creating rules, um, actively living in the moment is so much more important than tweeting about living in that moment. Um, so it's, um, it, it's, it's a time that makes us in, in just highlight reels uh, and not the true reality. Definitely, Your Excellency. Um, I believe that in addition to it being sometimes a distraction and um, it can sometimes lure us away from the present moment, and in addition to all of that, it can also serve as a lens of constant comparison where it exaggerates the achievements and all of the good things and it can sometimes downplay the misfortunes. So, Your Excellency, how do you believe that the youth in the UAE can strive in their respective fields, let it be um, their own businesses, let it be their corporate jobs without this constant comparison? I think the comparison game is is always so on because of social media and we live in this show real kind of time which everyone's cookie cutter version of their lives packaged so neatly, uh, distorted by different filters and edited to suit their own imagined kind of personal story. And it's a facade, we have to be honest, uh, yet we're basing our plans and our life and our benchmarks on it. And so what happens? Basically, you start comparing yourself continuously to other people's cookie-cutter lives. Um, And we also start outsourcing our self-esteem and our our inner confidence. I've heard so many people that their confidence depends on how many comments they get 
or how many likes their posts get on social media, how many people clapped or cheered for us, how many people scrolled past it. And this is unsustainable and it's unkind to yourself. You will always lose, we will always lose in the comparison game. And no one can instill a sense of confidence in oneself other than you. Um, and outsourcing this kind of confidence, we become people pleasers. So I think the only, um, for me personally, to strategy I feel that for us, uh, we're always going to lose in the sea of engagement uh, metrics on virtual platforms. And this is a danger, but um, we need to stop um, comparing ourselves. Uh, we need to start recognizing the beauty in our own lives. We need to celebrate each other more um, because comparing, again, only breeds jealousy as well. Um, and I think, how do you stop going down this rabbit hole of constant comparison? Um, you need to make better choices about your attention. And I think when we talk about mental health, we need to talk about attention. What you pay attention to is ultimately what you become. Um, we have so much space in our minds to get through each day and fulfill all of our tasks. And so with limited space in our mind, take stock of the things that you're paying attention to and take stock of the things that matter to you, that help you grow. So asking the questions, what are the main areas in my life that I want to see a return on my attention investment um, when I give it my all? Is it my passion uh, project? Is it my family? Uh, is it my schoolwork? Uh, is it my career? And so carve out time in your day to focus on these things wholeheartedly. Your Excellency, as we collectively went through this global pandemic, um, I believe that one of its byproduct was this mesh of our personal lives with our work lives. And although, although this uh, work from home phase was very temporary, but I believe that it gave us this chance to um, sit with ourselves and introspect and reflect. Um, so Your Excellency, do you believe that a work-life balance is achievable? First of all, I loved um, finding and carving out kind of uh, my time doing uh, work from home. And I, I enjoyed uh, that period um, because balance is one of the most important things in our uh, uh, time and in our generation. And just like social media with overconsumption, we have... Um, lost also a sense of balance as youth sometimes in our work and personal life, maybe also due to working from home. But to be clear, balance means different for different people. I don't think personally that balance is an even split of 50-50. You can't say after 4 p.m. I'm not going to do anything with work. What if something gets called for work? Or if I say that up up to 4 p.m. I can't do anything with family. What if someone called me that there's someone in pain or or they need my help? And it doesn't work personally for me. I feel like we all have multiple commitments uh, in our lives concurrently and we need to feed into these areas. Um, and I want to mention something maybe personally that's that's very important. Relationships and work life are not incompatible. Committing to a partner um, and friends in your life that complement your goals and your values and help you become the best version of yourself is a true winning strategy for life. Um, focusing on your work alone can lead to perpetual busyness forever, which leads uh, to, in, to, to unhappiness personally, to unfulfilling lives. As humans, we're social beings. We're meant to have connections with other people and to nurture those connections and find strength in them. Um, for me, I feel like instead of focusing solely on work, work-life balance looks um, like uh, uh, making the effort to be hyper-focused on each task I do. 
So when I'm at work, I'm hyper-focused at work. Uh, and then deliberately, I make time for family, for rest, for relaxation. Uh, when I get home uh, from work, I sometimes switch off, switch off for a couple of hours uh, just so I can focus on my son, on my husband, and in my home. And, and family time is precious. It also allows us to recharge away from the often demanding aspects of our work life uh, by being intentional about our time for rest. We help create a healthy balance uh, um, for the for us and those around us. Definitely, Your Excellency. And as we discuss the importance of achieving a work-life balance, uh, for many of us, a large portion of our days is spent at work. In fact, the average person will spend approximately 90,000 hours at work over a lifetime. So it's safe to say that our jobs can make a huge impact on the quality of life we live. So let us start with the basics, Your Excellency. Um, in your opinion, what differentiates a healthy workplace environment from a toxic one? So beginning uh, um, on the work-life balance, first of all, in the work environment, I'm a firm believer in quality over quantity. And it's not how many hours you spend working. It's the amount of focus and attention that you give to each task that counts. Think of watering a plant. You don't need to pour buckets of water once a week, a full bucket of water, it's going to die. Uh, you need to water it once or twice a week slowly um, uh, and then stand back and kind of let it take its course. You can't just water it once a month. Um, when you look in, in, at the workplace environment, I believe that healthy workplaces are characterized by leaders who care about the quality of the physical and mental health of their employees. Healthy thinking, healthy habits lead to healthy, healthier and happier uh, workplaces. And we have to have the ability to trust our colleagues in the workplace. Habits like micromanaging or gossiping about someone's work behind their backs creates an environment that uh, uh, where everyone feels they're on the edge uh, and everyone's afraid to speak their minds. It's, it, it creates an unhealthy kind of competition where colleagues may throw each other under kind of the bus just to go ahead. And I think point of departure becomes trust. Give your colleagues the benefit of the doubt. We're all here to do the best we can. And sometimes the best for that day is slightly below expectation. And that's okay. I think being attentive uh, and being a kind teammate will make the workplace more pleasant to work in and, and will result in better outcomes for any kind of company or organization. And this comes back to the idea of balance and pacing ourselves. We need to create workplaces where people are encouraged to live balanced lives and it reduces the stress. It takes away the need to always be on. Um, in addition to, to the amazing points that you just uh, mentioned, what kind of conversations do we need to start having in the workplace in order to foster better mental health? I think um, empathy, conversations around empathy, especially during times like this is so crucial. Uh, to be empathetic is to place yourself in someone else's shoes. And, um, and where best can we understand each other than working side by side every day in a workplace? Uh, empathetic responses are very simple. It's when we understand when a colleague is late because their child is sick or they need to go to the doctor or when someone is struggling uh, to meet a deadline because they had a, a death in the family. It's being deliberate about letting employees know that they can and they can and should trust and they must live a, a, a life that is full, um, full of love. Um, and their time at work is dedicated to work, yes, but their time at home is truly home time as well. Um, and to be honest, as such, workplaces need to constantly have conversations about what success really looks like. Not just the annual reports, the balance sheets, um, the success of building teams that are strong. 
smart, efficient, because they're not expected to act like robots. Um, these are very hard conversations to have. The world demands so much of young people today, and it's up to workplaces to really be aware and to find ways to make the environment as healthy as possible. Um, Your Excellency, last but not least, what would you want our youth to understand about mental health? I want young people to see the beauty in the, in their life in the life that they have, to be able to go to work, to go to school, to spend time with their family. Um, and, and doing these things is never a given. It's a gift. Um, and one should be grateful. Our minds, our bodies are both gifts. And we need to take care of them. Uh, take time to examine your life. Practice doing things that anchor you, that bring you happiness, that ground you. Uh, find time to be still, to reflect on how you can live healthier. You're in the prime of your life. Um, take advantage of this time. Create healthy habits uh, that will last a, a lifetime. But also remember the power of community and the power that none of us has all the answers. We're here helping together. Um, reach out to With Hope Foundation. Reach out to Arab Youth Center and the Federal Youth Authority who really want to offer the resources to help you um, through your journey. Thank you, Your Excellency. Thank you for a fruitful and insightful conversation. But most importantly, I would like to thank you for continuously being a role model to every young woman and man in this great nation. Thank you uh, very much, Mariam, for this conversation. I want to thank you and all your colleagues um, at With Hope Foundation for the sunlight and light that you are bringing uh, to young people's lives. Uh, mental health is such an important topic, uh, and uh, we're all learning uh, in this together, and I hope we all stand as a strong community and a healthy, happy young generation. This podcast is sponsored by Pixel House Productions.